We are told not to judge a book by its cover. But then again, why do we spend so much time, money and effort designing book covers? I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we care a lot about covers. Welcome to In Camera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you today? Good, how are you, Leo? I'm doing well, Grace, and you know what? Uh, I'm really, really excited to talk to you today because I know you've had a very busy week. You uh, just participated in Master It's Made Perfect Virtual Edition Fall 2020. And I think that's where we we're going to start our conversation, Grace. How how was it? How was the virtual experience of Masters Made Perfect? Well, so you may recall, I actually attended the AAJ virtual conference. Yeah, Grace, you've been you've been very active in all of these virtual conferences. Well, we'd like to give make sure that we continue to support the organizations that we've been working with for so long. Absolutely. So absolutely, yeah. For us, we've had an episode on that, yes. right? We we're big advocates and. If um, you can sustain support and be part of this, whether it's for marketing or for uh, participation, it's it's a great step to take. So yeah, exactly like exactly like you and I have spoken a few times before. You know, if if it's your it's your it's who you are, it's part of your company culture, and this is what you do, then you need to continue to do that, not let COVID sort of stop you from being able to yeah. continue to move forward with how you behave as a company. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely why we continue to be involved in all of these. So yeah, it was very interesting. It was a two-day conference. Um, everything was in Eastern time. So it actually started on um, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, with uh, Mike Papantonio giving an intro and sort of a welcome to MTMP virtual. Uh, and then it kind of went on from there. There were sessions that were all pre-recorded and available throughout the day uh, on different subjects. Uh, mostly, I'd say, three subjects, three categories. So everything was pre-recorded, Grace? Everything that I am aware of was pre-recorded in here except for the chat rooms. Okay. Right. Yeah. And the, and the chat rooms, they were only the sponsored chat rooms that I'm talking about, which had this meeting feature. Okay. that allowed you to sort of go on screen live and if anybody came into your chat room they could chat with you ask you questions and so you could kind of do a, a little presentation for lack of a better okay. word a live one so when you say sponsored chat rooms we're talking vendors right Correct. correct. okay all right yeah. very cool that's correct but that's very very cool yeah and so uh, you could basically, you did not have to stick to a particular schedule. You can watch different sessions as you please, or they were being broadcasted at a specific time for everyone. That's a great question. Yes, they were actually being broadcast at a specific time so that, you know, just like in person where, oh, wow. yeah, so just yeah. like in person, you would go from this time to this time. That's exactly okay. how it worked. It was available from this time to this time. Yeah. And so the speakers so you would had go to, in there. Yeah. So you had to still choose your track and yes go for yes. it because 
while you were at the business of law track, you were missing out on the litigation stuff. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay. And it was funny because right. I, I know it. some people had two screens open so that they could watch two different sessions at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's hard. I tried that yesterday with the debate. It doesn't work. No, it's too hard. It, you you're either one place or the other. You got place. it. Yeah, that's ex too that's much. exactly what I kept hearing, particularly because I mean, if you go into the litigation track or the business of law, oh yeah, either one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Think about look watching Zantac and then learning yeah. about the you know operations in flux talking about intake yeah. Talk, not yeah. talk about the complexity of conversations right yeah. like it was it wasn't like you're following a little uh soap opera and then at the same time watching on your on your phone your instagram feed right Correct. you're actually hearing and talking and being part of very very technical and advanced conversations Correct. so yeah and so not the during the sessions what they did was they made it available uh, via chat inside of the session where the speakers could answer questions if anybody had a question um, and so I, th I think most of them what they did is the the speakers would have um, either themselves or whoever they had um, helping them respond to the questions um, all through chat again that that was the interactive component of the session so okay. it, it was I think that worked pretty well um, there was only a couple of odd things that happened where the screen would kind of minimize and go below the border the top half of the <laughs> okay. screen but you know yeah. they, they they did they tried their best and they did tell everybody um almost immediately via email or through messaging on this on the site itself that you know use google chrome do this do that to just kind of make sure everyone's having the same experience grace you know what i mean that just brings up what you're saying there is to how important and critical for controlling a user experience, it has become the web browser that users use, right? I mean, I'm telling you because every every presentation that we do, sorry, and I'm now kind of going to a little different place, but following up on what you're saying, yeah. because every presentation that we do to our uh, existing clients or prospect clients, we use a platform that is called Prezi. And in order to be able to smoothly and provide the best experience of a presentation in Prezi you can to someone who's remote is by actually getting them to use the Prezi Live link, right? Which actually what it does is instead of screen sharing your presentation, it actually loads up the presentation in front of them and they're just seeing the transitions as smooth as if they were sitting right next to you. And we love that. But here is the thing. We understood that if you're using, for instance, Safari, the loading time of the presentation can be twice or three times slower than if you're using Chrome. And so it's so important that you take those things into consideration and ahead of time, or for instance, we would have on the very, very early days, people who would connect to the conference calls, but they will be doing it from their iPad. And you know, on their iPad, it wouldn't preload unless ahead of time downloaded it an app, an app from Prezi that then will allow them to see the presentation. So. If you're not communicating those things to people ahead of time and then they're showing up, whether it's for a conference call or whether it's for a live virtual event and they're not prepared for it, it can it can have a very, very uh, adverse impact on the user experience. Now, I know you're talking here about more kind of like technical issues that came up that were unforeseen, like it just happened. But it just brought to my mind the importance of actually controlling those. Now that we're doing so many things remote, how important it is to take into consideration all of those technical aspects about as to what is it that you need 
to explain and inform the other party so that the communications can be flawless, right? And the same thing when you're buying any kind of uh, hardware or software or anything for your business, you need to make sure that it's going to be relevant and people who are you going to be trying to use it with are going to be able to efficiently use it as users. Right. So, and that goes for anything, dashboards, uh, call tracking, you name Everything it. Everything we like, do, right? <laughs> it may be the best, it may be the best software out there, but if it's complex and not uh, easy for those who are going to be using it because of the technical components that come to it, then it can become really frustrating, right? It is. So, it is for most people. I'd say 99.9% .9 of people that, you know, are uncomfortable to a degree with... Yeah some technical things a lot of times. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can only think like for somebody who's for and for both parties, the attendee and the vendor, right? You're trying to deliver a presentation at an event, trade show, times limited, everybody is fighting for attention. And then all from the sudden your screen disappears or goes out of frame or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's technical issue. You'll understand it's, it's not the end of the world, but it's still uh, a little bit frustrating. Right. And you know what, Grace? I mean, as you've said at the beginning of the call, you cannot just stop and not do anything because you're afraid that something may happen. You just need to go for it, hope for the best, but at the same time, prepare and be as uh, proactive about... Yes, it's uh, all about proactivity yeah. when it comes to technology. You and I both know that. It, the more that you yeah. can inform somebody and basically hold their hand as much as you can at the beginning and tell them, okay, this is what you need to do if this happens. And so yeah. they did provide a, a pretty nice user guide as to the layout of the MTMP platform. I think um, what sort of happened, at least for me, it became a little difficult with all of the different things that you could get into. And just like in person, right? I mean, we all know that there's like three sessions sometimes going on at the same time. And you might want to go to all three sessions, but you can't. And so now you had the element of not physically even being able to do that. You have chat rooms available um, that were sponsored during a certain amount of time, but you also had two or three sessions happening at the same time. So it, it was a little difficult to go from one to the next, but I feel like the sessions themselves, at least for us and the one we did um, under the business of law um, regarding intake with Ed, I thought that was well received and i feel like it was one of those important subjects that people like you and i constantly talk about intake right <laughs> yeah sure so let's talk about that a little bit grace so uh you said the conversation was about intake was it a panel was it a uh, so yeah. yes it was a panel um and it mm -hmm. was actually held like you had as you asked me um virtually from 1:45 to 2:15 p.m eastern time and the title was, With Operations in Flux, How to Make Sure Your Intake is Working When Nothing Else Is. And, well, as we all know, COVID has messed up a lot of operations for a lot of people. Yeah. But this is, so the conversation was a panel um, led by Seth Price um, of Price Benowitz. Mm -hmm. and he was the moderator. And then the two speakers uh, besides Seth were Edward Lake, you know, our CEO mm -hmm. and founder, and then Tom Ball from Alert Communications as well. And basically they focused, I'd say, on technology. 
Um, obvious reasons, you know, we have the persist software that automates communication and follow up and all of that. And then, you know, with alert communications, they're a call center. So they deal with yeah. technology all the time as well with their own software. Sure. And so dealing with that, like when we were talking about intake and everything, honestly, I think it was important for people to hear that one, um, mostly because we were talking about chatbots and and how to use technology to communicate with people in the most preferred method, in the method that they okay. want, as you and I talked about again. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know why, but it feels that this was this probably came up on last conversation, like the chatbot thing. I don't know. I it just it, yeah, it did it come did. up on the last it, on last week on last week's conversation, and it keeps coming so what, back up, so, right? So, yeah. So, so, so what's the thing with, with the chatbots? Good, not good, go for it, not go for it. So Ed actually ran a research, a small survey and sent it out to, I think it was, uh, let's say 20, let's use a sample of 20 just to use an easy number. Mm -hmm. 16 out of the 20 preferred the chatbot method to filling out the intake. Fill out an intake. And most yeah. of them even went all the way as far as signing the retainer agreement once they got pre-qualified through an automated chatbot. The other four requested a call immediately or a live transfer to a call because, you know, I know you've heard of live chat and then there's the automated yeah. chats and et cetera, et cetera. The way we look at it is we give them the option. So right there in the chat, if obviously if it's like, you know, midnight or something like that, generally speaking, would you like a call tomorrow or the next day or something like that, then they can click on that and they'll get scheduled a call and persist. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if it's daytime or, you know, let's say Monday to through Sunday call center hours that you have available, you know, yeah. 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., just as an example. And they click, yeah. I want somebody to talk to, it will go right to a call center or somebody yeah. that's on the other side to pick up that call. Yeah. Right. So just to give a little bit of context, the research itself was based on people who initiate the conversation or they convert via chat. Via a chat. Correct. So Basically, the findings are that most of people would prefer continuing and staying in, chat. in the chat, whether it's the chatbot, live chat, but they want to continue there. Correct. And you know what, Grace? That shouldn't surprise anyone. No. Like, that's it. Like, if you've, cho it's not like the telephone number was not there on the landing page, visible as an option. And it's not like the web form was not somewhere there, again, visible on the uh, landing page. And they chose the, li the, the live chat, so or the or the bot. So it's it's clear, right? It's very very clear. And I think that's what um, you know. As we said, uh, we've been talking and talking and talking round and round and round here. Is you just need to understand that, that if you're gonna give someone an option, don't just try to use that option uh, in the way that it's uh, convenient just for you, because it may not necessarily. Uh, align with the expectations of the user and particularly today now when many other service providers or e-commerce sites give you the option to do everything completely online through chat well you know that's where the bar is being set you're also going to be expected to be able to do everything that is that you do through chat as well so I think that's super, super, super interesting, Grace. What else was it uh, shared with regards to, um, I mean, were best practices talked? Were there any trends or other um, interesting facts that were discussed during this session? So 
I think that to me, besides all of the, you know, updates on litigation like Zantac and, you know, even Boy Scout abuse and some of those types of litigation talks, um, they also talked about, you know, generating leads, um, you know, uh, digital marketing and some of the things that you and I talk about constantly. But what I think and found interesting to me was were the chat rooms. Um, obviously because we sponsored one of the chat rooms, so I would love to talk about that, and that's what we're going to talk about, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm dying to hear about that, great. So, that's our next topic. Yeah, so the chat rooms were set up a little kind of interesting, because I thought the chat rooms originally meant chat rooms that were inside the sessions, but that was something completely separate. Those were for people to ask questions in the chat during the session, whereas these chat rooms were also during kind of specified times, Ours happened to be on the 14th from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., which happened to fall at the same time as the virtual cocktail reception. So that was a little bit of a uh, unfortunate same timing. But our chat room happened to, we discussed about per persist publishing. So. Okay. Yeah. We've heard that come up before uh, very, very vaguely and not without a lot of details so we're, we're we want to hear everything now grace okay so the chat room was about writing publishing and marketing your own book to establish yourself as an expert so i know most of us have heard write a book write a book write a book right well yes you can just write a book of course you can and there's a million tools and platforms and all kinds of stuff to help you write books out there right mm -hmm. but a book and if you write a book and we have seen this and seen the numbers honestly on this if you write a book to establish yourself as an expert and do the correct what we would call pr and branding and all of that around it it will propel you to a whole other level of thought leadership in the market and it positions you as the expert and thought leader in your market the way you want to be seen and so when we kind of got involved in Persist Publishing and the publishing game. Um, Ed is actually just about to complete a book that uh, you're part of, Liel, as a matter of fact. Um, and What an honor. Thank you so much, Grace. <laughs> well, no, of course, and thank you. So uh, he's writing a book, and that's kind of where this kind of came out of, where we're pulling together all of the experts and people we feel are experts in the mass tort world. Um, and as I said, like yourself, you know, in Spanish legal marketing and, and these areas that people just don't know about or don't know who to talk to, right? And so this is a resource and it builds him, not just as the thought leader he is, but also positions him in a way that people will now understand he is the network to go to, right? He has the network and his network is the group or are the group, is the group of experts that you need to talk to, right? So yeah. that's kind of how we translate the Persist Publishing and the way we speak to other people about it. There's different packages, you know, different costs, uh, depending on what you want to do and how much you want to kind of go all in, right? You can do YouTube, you can do press releases, you can do um, a whole ad campaign, uh, PR campaign, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can just write the book and have somebody, you know, um, have them publish it and take care of that part of it and kind of just go the social media route and maybe not a whole full-blown PR package. Um, yeah. And, you know, that stuff costs money. It's not that it's extremely expensive if you think about it in terms of the return on investment. Um, but it's up to you as to how far you want to go. And if you have something already and just an idea, well, 
you know, just like anything else, it depends, right? The cost will depend on what you have available, what you're doing, um, how much content you already have at your fingertips, or if you need to be completely held by the hand the whole way. Right. But for me... And that's great, actually, that you have and broke it down in so many different options and solutions, because as you very well said, different people have different... There are different parts of the journey. Some of them may have already started. They've been entertaining the idea. Who knows? They may even have a draft of their book and they just probably need more help with the editing of it and then publishing some people maybe at 0, 0.0 in the whole journey so that's great grace and so just so i understand this correctly so this is aimed at lawyers right so you're actually looking here at lawyers who want to write their book now grace i understand because of the law firm that you guys have and out of the different businesses that tie to it, your book can potentially be more kind of like B2B, no? Like, uh, or th the first book that it is working for, it's aimed more towards to be of a reference to other attorneys. Correct. Now, is it uh, fair to say that all of the exact same impact that you've said about becoming a thought leader, becoming an authority, taking you to the next level or such, can also be obtained when you're actually writing a book that is aimed to your specific clients. And have you guys thought like which practice areas are the ones where going down the road of publishing a book, it actually makes sense? Um, because I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm going to let you answer this first part of the question before I, I, I throw at you more questions. So yes, um, it, for me, it's actually, and, and in the publishing world, it's your story. Right. So it's not a hundred percent about the practice area per se. Okay. Um, especially if you're writing for the consumer, the consumer wants to know who you are and why you are doing what you're doing and they will read it if it's a compelling story that is true. And so the book in the B2C world for lawyers, I see it more as them writing their story, why they got into it and why they're helping people. And yes, of course, talk about your expertise and, and why you went to college to be a lawyer. And, and if you're passionate about, you know, as I'll give you an example, Steve Jacobino. Steve Jacobino has done a lot of um, presentations um, at the school level, at government level on Juul uh, because he's extremely passionate about it. And to him, it needs to stop right? Jewel and, and young adults need to, it, the whole thing needs to be uh, somehow taken care of, fixed. And to him, that's one of the most important aspects of what he's dealing with right now. So when I, when they're doing the book and they're creating their thought leadership, they're giving their story and not necessarily mm -hmm. talking about Zantac or, you know, or personal injury or right. slip and falls yeah, or, yeah. because nobody's going to read that, right? I mean, I know I wouldn't, you probably wouldn't either. <laughs> so, but I will read a story about how you got there, why you're doing it, and maybe your best case ever, because it was something that was important to you. Yeah. And that that's, again, the reason why I've asked, uh, you know, have you, is, is there a particular practice areas where it makes sense to actually have a book where it's actually an important way to get in front of potential customers and convince them? Yeah that you are the, the, the law firm because all of the examples that you've mentioned fall under the personal injury category, right. right? And again, I don't think a lot of people really want to read books about personal injury nope. unless they're actually being harmed by whatever is that your book is 
and correct what it's addressing the, the book itself has that promise of doing something that's going to help you out and that's why i was going to say you know is this are the books here going to be around the same profile as for instance the mesothelioma books that you call now and you get a free book sent out to you and is that the kind of book that we're talking about here or we're talking they can be right of course they can be but that's not the goal right of you writing your own book generally speaking so that's part of the plan and part of the persist publishing plan is to help you decide what is your end goal and it's just like when we create the, our, our campaigns, right, for the pay-per-click and anything. Mm -hmm. We need to know what our goal is and how we're going to get there, right? So we help you kind of figure out what is your goal in and what it is that you want to be seen as the thought leader in, right? Because it, we this will apply to criminal law too, right? If you helped somebody get out of a, a really tough situation and because that's something that, you know, is down deep in you, yeah. that, that's something you have to True. handle. yeah. By all means, yeah. yeah, I'll read something like that because, yeah, you know. Yeah, we've, so good cases, good examples where we've heard that books have been very powerful uh, for the for the practices are very, just as you've said, criminal law, right? How to gain back control of your life sort of around that same theme. Uh, topic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, is, is theme, correct. Uh, estate law, and again. We did not publish uh, his know, book at all, but... We have had him on our podcast before. Michael Morse, Fireproof, is a perfect yeah. example of a non-legal book, really. It's about processes and procedures yeah. and yeah. getting through a fire, you know? So yeah. it's yeah. evergreen content, always relevant. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but as you've said, Fireproof is a good example of a B2B book, yes. right? I mean, true that a potential client of uh, Michael Morse law firm can read it, and find it compelling enough to think I will hire him as an attorney if I were to ever be involved in an accident. But the but main goal, the focus of the book is not sell you uh, attorney Morris as uh, outstanding personal injury lawyer, which he is. It's about exp explaining you how did they survive many different threats and challenges to their business to the point that they no longer experience the same level of impact for those, from those things that they were at an air, at, at, in a different time. And that's kind of like their learning lesson. And as you very well, that's applicable for a lot of different industries, right? He mentioned it on his podcast, on our podcast here, that some universities are making it part of their curriculum. And the, the, the bottom line is that it's a good business book, period. We know some of the books that attorneys write are more about kind of like uh, the business of law and they're aimed to be read by other attorneys or businesses in similar positions uh, but i'm always very curious as you can see grace about the books that are written by attorneys to the actual client because that to me is very um, interesting in the sense that how do you actually get someone to want to buy your book and i think you're right about make it super personal tell a story and make sure that you have a very good and defined message, right? Uh, what's what you're gonna get out of reading this book? And it obviously hard selling your practice area may not be uh, the the way to go, but m something a little bit maybe more holistic, right? Something that may have a more general impact exactly. in in in. It has to be organic. In the overall lesson that it has to teach and share. Yes. Grace, that's very very cool. That's very powerful. So. 
Um, you guys are already up and running for CIST publishing, yes, right? Yes, we are. We, um, we're actually in a bunch of other industries, not legal uh, <laughs> um, okay. at this time. Um, primarily, I mean, honestly, it's all across the board. There's like chiropractors and, um, you know, mm -hmm. even, uh, celeb you know, some minor celebrities and things like that that have, you know, that are involved in this and writing books and doing the whole PR and the branding, the whole package thing. So, yeah, it's kind of, it really is exciting. I think anything having to do with creating thought leadership or just using the knowledge that they do have to create them as a thought leader, which they already are, and it's just positioning them in the market as such. I always like that, you know, it's marketing. So, you know, I'm an uber nerd when it comes to marketing and things like that. So seeing this is definitely interesting for us. And how was it received during Mustard's Made Perfect? Um, that was the only, like, as I mentioned before, slightly unfortunate part is because of the timing. It was at the same time yeah. as the cocktail reception. So uh, <laughs> only uh, like two or three people kind of came into the chat room to um, to ask us about right. stuff. So. And I, I'm sure, and I'm also sure that many people may have even been a little bit surprised because we are always used to seeing persist communications in the exhibitor halls as persist communications. And so all from the Southern Sea uh, persist there yet, but as publishing, it's kind of like a new turn and very interested. I'm sure that if this would have been held in person and people would have actually seen your booth there, but with a slightly different title, you would have had a lot of people come and talk to you and want to learn about this grace. But for our listeners, if they are interested and they just want to, you know, um, start a conversation with you or check out more about Persist Publishing, do we have a place to go? Not just yet. So the Persist Publishing website. Oh, you're keeping it very mysterious, I know, Grace. Huh? I know, I am. <laughs> um, but you're we are officially launching um, by the end of next week at least the landing page. Um, but if you have any questions about it, you know, send it to us at Asking Camera Podcast and I'll definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure through the traditional channel of Persist Communications. Yes. For Persist.com. A safe way. Correct. Go to our forpersist.com website, fill out the contact form. It goes directly to me and I will make sure that we can start having your conversation that you want about your book. <laughs> well, Grace, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to experience Masters Made Perfect virtual fall session 2020 through your own experiences for sharing with us what is it that you saw and heard and enjoyed the most, right? So I guess that brings us to pretty much the end of our conversation. And since this was such an anecdotal conversation, Grace, do we actually have takeaways? Is there something that you want to share yeah. as your main takeaway? I'd say two takeaways and it has to do with specifically publishing and content, and then the other is intake. Just at least try to apply one tech into your intake. You know, try to look at your processes and your procedures and try to automate something, you, you know, to help your entire process, your entire operations, whether it's using a chat bot, uh, you know, system like Persist Communication software, something you know you need to try and include that in autom and automate something to help everybody in your ecosystem of the firm to me that's the first takeaway okay and then the second takeaway it's, it's bold yeah automate uh, we we backwards and forwards here um fall in love uh, for automation and then two episodes later we go full-on criticizing automation and then we fall back in love with automation and i agree with you grace i just think as you know going back to previous conversation be clever about what is it that you're automizing yes. 
don't take the personal touches out of this, right? It's not worth no. it. Unless you're dealing with crazy volume, and I really mean crazy volumes, like we're talking about hundreds of leads per day, there's no reason why uh, you shouldn't be able to make one of the first touches with your new leads, a personal one. So I totally agree with Grace. There's so many things that can be automated to increase efficiency and to actually enable your team, your staff to get in front of other people that can benefit from that personal touch again, rather than having them type up stuff, send up reminders, send up uh, complete forms. So Grace, I totally agree with you. I just want to make that remark that one doesn't replace the You're other. You're 100% right. Good stuff. 100% yeah. right. Good, but good takeaway. Now, what, what's the next one about publishing? The next one about publishing is think about content and evergreen content and think about your firm as a book and look at a goal for yourself if you want to position yourself as a thought leader in a particular subject you know as i mentioned before jewel you know if, if that's something that is a passion you're passionate about and you want to go after um a specific tort a specific area of of law whatever it is tell your story you know whether it's you know through blogs whether it's through a book but do it and get it out there because people have this need for human interaction right now. I always have. But I feel like the more that we know who we're hiring to take care of us in a time of need, the better off and the more you can connect with your client. And you know what, Grace? I mean, I don't want to be superficial here and, uh, you know, go against the, you know, wise proverbs that exist out there about not judging a book by its cover but everybody judges books by its cover right and people they just see that there is a book and many times that's the determining point that's the selling point right and so again as i said i'm not saying write um, write your own book so you have a cover to showcase somewhere someplace but that that in itself has a lot of value right so let's you know let's address the elephant in the room that exists mm -hmm. that has a lot of impact with that being said put a lot of put your whole heart in the content yes. because honestly whether you like it or not it's going to be your legacy and so you might as well make make some make something that you would be proud of at any point any time in your life so i agree Great. grace now my last mm -hmm. question my last question to you if if you need to see your law firm as a book what would be the cover what what specific element about the law firm is the cover the person it's their story so it, let's say they're a partnership right because there's not always just one law firm or one lawyer in a law firm yeah. sometimes there is which is, makes it a little easier yeah. on the person but then yeah. co-author with that person but talk about your story so that's how i see it the law firm is the story of the lawyers that are in it yeah that's what i mean by look at yeah. your law firm as a book because yeah. People want to know who you are. And just like you said, you said it perfectly. What if I do a search on Google and I see that this guy has an Amazon bestseller and the other one doesn't? He has no books, no nothing. Who am I going to hire? The guy yeah. with the Amazon bestseller. It's just the way it is. You're right. First impressions are lasting and all those old cliches are true. <laughs> yeah. It's it 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 does help. It's a it's a very powerful marketing yes. tool by itself. So I agree, Grace. And yes, I also 
think you're right. Like you are the cover of the book for the law firm. Absolutely. And everything that represents you, right? Your website, your office, your logo, and even your telephone number, like all of those things are going to be what collectively make your cover, what's visible, what people are going to be uh, judging you on. Although everybody says not to, but everybody does. That's right. Right. That's right. All right. I guess we also even have a name for the episodes. We're going to call it Judge the Book by the Cover. Hey, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grace. I don't know. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Thank you so much for another great conversation. We'll be back next yep, week, right? That's right. Thank you, Leo. All right. Thanks, Grace. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.